the game may be over, but the best Hawkeye analysis is just getting started. This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Ross Peterson and Travis Justice are taking your calls. Sound Off. This is your home for the Hawkeyes. News Radio 1040, WHO, and the iHeartRadio app. A bye week, Hawk fans, but it doesn't slow us down here for Sound Off. Welcome. Two hours of Hawkeye conversation coming your way. And I'm fired up. I missed my week last week. I had a, a great time on my trip. We're going to cover a lot of that stuff. We got a, a fun show packed up here for you. Gary Dolphin going to join us at 4.30. Chuck Long around 5 o'clock. Mark Emmert at 5.30. And then we're going to hook up with Travis Justice at 545. I haven't told Andrew Downs, who's filling in for me today, what's our filling in for, for Travis today. Yes, I filled in for you last week. You're in that seat, which is usually my seat. I'm in Travis's seat. I'm steering the boat, which means we get to go fast today. <laughs> <laughs> Did his son uh, ever get in contact with him? We're going to find out. Here's the thing. Travis had his first ever tailgating experience today. Oh. At, wait, 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 wait. First ever at Kansas with his son no, as a college student. No, Andrew. Travis, went, see, went to Grandview, and Grandview didn't have a football team then. Right. But Travis did work for basically the radio station. He immediately left school and went to work for uh, uh, so he's, covering yeah. football. He never has had that experience wow. that all of us know. And his first experience is at Kansas? <laughs> baby on. steps. Baby I steps, guess. okay? I mean, you know, it, that's like going to Simpson, right? <laughs> yeah, It'd be right. like going down to Indianola. Yes. They had I mean, a big game there. There's tailgate atmosphere. And, and the, the Simpson tailgate atmosphere is fun. And you don't want to be outside Kinnick your very first tailgating experience. I mean, that's that's pro level. He's not ready right. for that yet. exactly. He's got to right. ease into it. He gets to do the three, right. and then maybe someday we'll take him to the nine, <laughs> right? Kansas had a big game today. They had o- Oklahoma State. Yeah, how'd that, how'd that go? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't either. I'm, uh, I'm we'll assuming get, they lost. We'll get to a lot of that. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll fill you up on a, a scoreboard update as we go. Andrew and I have Nebraska-Purdue on in the studio here. So that's kind of the game we're going to monitor right now. Purdue up 17-7 to there. But we'd love to hear from you. This is obviously kind of your call-in show, 284-1040, if you would like to, uh, to talk to us about anything that, uh, that you'd like from this year. What have the Hawkeyes done to meet your expectations what have they done to not meet your expectations? What's been the best and worst parts of this season so far? So, Andrew, as you said, last week I was, uh, I was gone. You filled in for me. I was up in Canada. This is the second year in a row that I've had the chance to watch a, a night Hawkeye game on an island in Canada, and it's the second year in a row that it was a heartbreaker for us. Yes. Um, it, does, it does soften it a little bit because you have those surroundings and you're with your buddies, and quite frankly, I can drink during the game and so that kind of helps i think but you got to experience sound off two years in a row now in that ex- in that moment yeah and it's a it's an interesting experience man uh, how was sound off last week how did the hawkeye fans react to the loss to wisconsin it was good for the most part uh yeah. we we got on the air a little after midnight uh it was a late game obviously we're on till two had full phones pretty much the entire time it died off right at about 150 when yeah. when we had to make the call whether or not to stay on until 230 <laughs> we're like ah we'll just we'll we'll dump out here but uh it was good. It was good for me. It was. It's cathartic for me 
what I've found is to to sit here for an hour and a half or two hours after the game between the, the end of the game and the start of sound off and kind of process everything myself, uh, listen to all of the post-game interviews, listen to all the reaction, relive some of those plays, see everything happen on Twitter for the, the next couple of hours, and then get to talk to Hawkeye fans who were at the game, some who are at home, but people who are passionate enough at midnight, you know, early Sunday morning to, to call into a radio show and talk, and and just kind of digest all of it. And I was able to do that and then kind of leave it behind, whereas typically I would have turned the TV off and just stewed for like 48 hours, right? I was able to kind of leave that all behind. And you start to look at the future and, and get, a, get a grasp of where you are as a team and as a program, what, four games into the season. Yeah. So for me, it was good. I think it was good for, for most people, too. The surprising thing to Travis and I was that the majority of the talk, I guess the the things people were griping about, you had some gripes about the the referees. Uh, there were a lot of questionable spots, but for both teams, there was a play early where I was sacked Hornybrook, and it, it appears on second look that maybe that ball came out early and, mm-hmm. and should have been reviewed. There, so there was some talk about that. There was obviously talk about you know, losing essentially the Big Ten West, which I feel like a lot of Hawkeye fans have given up on at this point, uh, being, for lack of a better way to say it, two games down on Wisconsin at this point. Right. But a lot of talk about that fourth and one call real early in the game, five minutes into the game, when Iowa got down to the five. Uh, and and not not Travis and I questioned the play call. We didn't like the play call, the, the quarterback sneak. Iowa tried to do a, one of those hurry-up sneaks that they do in these yeah. situations, but the, the it was stopped by the refs so they could review the spot of the ball, and then they came back out and tried to sneak again. Obviously didn't work and, and wasn't the right call. They had a lot of different options there with the running game. They have some, they've had a lot of luck with Fant in situations like that. And so Travis and I questioned the play call, but a lot of callers were questioning going for it there. You know, in, in a game like this where you know points are going to be important, do you take the three right away? Uh, it's been interesting. Same same conversation, by the way, that we had on the island. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, With a group of about eight Hawkeye fans. I think it was split 5-3. Now, was that in the moment or after the game? I, I would say, you know, because once you're up there, you kind of fortify, right? Yes. If you got a couple guys. That, yeah, right. So right away, we had three guys that said, man, kick this ball. What okay. are you doing? Don't take these See, points I loved, off the board. I loved going for it yeah. there. Try to make too. a statement. You're at home. I did too. Early in the game. Punch it in. Show Wisconsin that you're here to mean business. They're already down after that loss to BYU. Just kick them right away. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Wisconsin came back had a 95-yard drive for a touchdown to take the early lead. But I liked the call of going for it. And uh, Chris brought this up. Chris Williams on, on your show, Sports Fanatics, yesterday on 1460 KXNO. Two years ago, we printed T-shirts because Kirk started going for it on 4th <laughs> exactly and 1. Exactly right. You know what I mean? Like, we waited as, 15 years for this. As a fan years. base, we right. rejoiced. We gave him a nickname of New Kirk <laughs> because he finally started going for it in those situations. So then to, when it doesn't work, go back and say, well, you shouldn't do that. It's it's just a hard turn to make. So I was okay with, with them going for it. The only logic I can take out of that being the biggest talking point is there is a segment of this fan base, and and every fan base, I'm sure, that is unhappy with Kirk Ferentz almost no matter what. You know, short of a 12 and 0 season, but even then, well, you know, they, they couldn't do it when it mattered in the Big Ten championship game or the Rose Bowl. There is a contingent of the fan base that's tired of Kirk Ferentz, and after 20 years, you can understand why. 
And that was the one thing you could blame him for. I don't think you could blame Brian Ferentz on the play calling. It was a well-called game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you, you obviously can't blame the coaching staff because Sean Byer stepped on a ball or Greenwood couldn't hold on to it. You can't blame the coaching staff because Horny Brook made a, a great throw and, and the Badgers put together the game-winning drive or, or that Stanley put a little too much on that ball to to Amir Smith Marset in the in the closing seconds and and that was picked off. You can't blame the coaches for a lot of what happened that night. You can blame them for that call, and I think that's why that was the the biggest thing talked about. Two eight four ten forty. We'd love to hear from you. Andrew and I are going to be here until six o'clock. Uh, we got Sean Roberts hanging out. Jethro has already dropped off food. It's amazing. What I was. Are, I so was. What do we have over there? We've got. Dude, the, they gave us two different racks of ribs. Yeah, two racks of ribs. Like, there, there's, um, and then we have the chicken tenders that have the parmesan. My wife already so called good. me and is yeah. like, "Did you get the chicken finger things? Can you bring those?" And then, uh, man, and what more, else? More wings than like I, I didn't know they had this many chickens that have this many wings. <laughs> oh no! The other thing is the bacon wrapped bacon wrapped rib tasters. Dude, those things are phenomenal. So they're they're like individual ribs, like they cut the bones, right? So it's not a rack, and then they wrap those things in bacon, and they must smoke them again or cook them again somehow. That's incredible. That, that was my first bacon wrapped rib I just had. Amazing. We, we even made Brian Gongle take one. And, you know, I used to work here Saturdays with Gongle. It right? was always great. I, and then driving in, I was hearing Gongle. I was like, oh, man, Gongleator. <laughs> ah, he, he had a flight at 450. And if it, Brian Gongle is the most prompt human being on the planet, he at 350, when I walked in here and I'm like, Brian, we got food. You got to eat. I got to go. I got to go. I was able to get him to stick around. Once he saw the rib tasters, even Brian Gongle risked wow. being 10 minutes late to a flight. That's a, a ringing testimony for how great the uh, uh, the Jethro's Barbecue can treat you. All right, folks, give us a call if you'd like. We're going to hook up with Gary Dolphin here in about 15 minutes or so. Chuck Long going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour along with Mark Emmert, and we'll talk to Travis Justice. Hopefully, we got two maybes here because Chuck Long working for the Big Ten Network. we got to hope that he's clear of his duties at 5 o'clock. And Travis, I think it's more of a hope the tailgating didn't hit him too hard on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon type of thing. But uh, that's what makes Sound Off great. 284-1040, Andrew Downs, Ross Peterson with Sound Off here on News Radio 1040 WHO. Hello. Your turn, Hawkeye fans. This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Sponsored by JLM Gun Shop and Grinnell Mutual Reinsurance Company. And they have fullback Brady Ross in the formation as well. The Hawks go for it on fourth down. Stanley with a keeper. And they're pushing him forward. Yeah, he's got it. Well, not if you go by the the uh, not if you go by the mark across the way, he doesn't have it. Yeah, they went by, by the mark across the way and didn't have it. That's the moment that a lot of Hawkeye fans were responding to last week, and I am surprised by that. Because I thought that the turning point of the game, and I thought my guess would have been, and I usually have a pretty good feel for this. I'm get, I, I, I thought 70% of the phone calls would be about this play. The pooch kick angled away from Gronaweg. Hawks get away from it. It's going to roll dead at the uh, 11. And now, what in the world? What in the world has happened? I was looking at the scoreboard. I... Wisconsin got on the football. They say it hit a Hawkeye. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Sean Beyer 
with his back to the football. The receiver is recovered by the kicking team. First down, Wisconsin. Are you kidding me? Sean Byer was backpedaling. Trying to block, trying to block, and he he stepped right on the football. Oh, man, that's a tough moment for Sean Byer. Tough moment for the Hawkeyes, obviously. And that I'm glad to know, Andrew, that the majority of the action reaction wasn't trying to put blame on Sean Byer for that. Um, I not that there's necessarily an excuse for it or anything like that. I don't know how that play happens. I'm sure Coach Ferentz is going to be breaking it down with him and the entire special teams for uh, for quite a while. But just how ironic, man. You, it seemed like this Hawkeye team, after the fake punt against Wisconsin, things changed in this series. Yes. And for some reason, that game Saturday felt like we were you were shaking that monkey. It did. Right? Yeah. And it wasn't that vaunted Wisconsin team anymore. They weren't pushing anybody around. Nope. They weren't shutting anybody down. We were able to move the football. And then this happened. And... You know, there there's 65,000 screaming people. I mean, you can hear it at the beginning of that. You can hear the crowd in there. Yes. It's just insanely loud. So, you know, I hear that, you know, they're yelling fire and all this other stuff for him to get away from the ball. He's He has his back to it, doesn't know where it is. Um, I hope this doesn't become one of those defining things for Sean Byer. My hope right. is that before his career is over, somebody has to remind me yes. that uh, that this is a moment. Yeah, you remember he was he right. was that guy, right? And and it's tough because that did feel like the turning point in hindsight. But then you remember Iowa gets the ball back and has a great drive yep. right after that. Marches right down the field, scores a touchdown, and takes the lead. And and at that moment, that's when I I turned to Travis and said I was the better team. I think I even tweeted, I was the better team. They will lose this if they give it away, but they're the better team. Hmm. And I still feel like that. If I would, if these two teams played ten times, I think I will win seven. You know, it's funny, Andrew, because when you said that the reaction was to that fourth down, I wanted to talk about what the team's reaction was to that. Right. Yeah, you're right. They gave up a 96-yard drive yeah. on, on the backside of that. And then what? And then they shut Wisconsin down. So that... It wasn't like the offense felt defeated no. because they didn't punch it in on that fourth down. It wasn't like the defense felt like they couldn't stop Wisconsin after giving up a 96-yard drive. I mean, I think that's one of the things that you have to give credit to Coach Ferentz for yes. is that his guys respond and react really well in adverse situations. But the other thing, like trying to find a reason to blame Ferentz, we've talked about this before with other coaches, that – the thing that makes Kirk Ferentz a really great coach is that he gives his team a chance to win. The, the team is put in a chance to win these football games. It's usually some sort of mistake or error that ends up costing the game. It's easy to go back to that first drive and say, because you didn't take those three points on the board, right. we lost this football game, and it's that play call, and it was, it's Brian's influence, and now we can blame one of the Ferentz. I look at it the other way. And I that call just set aside. I, I again at the time I liked it. I liked that you were being aggressive. You're trying to kind of put your foot on the throat. I didn't even consider last week and BYU like the the rollover effect of that. If the Hawkeyes had scored in that situation, that might have been a, a, a little bit of a kick to the stones, right. right? So I look at it as look at how well they responded to that man. They come back. They end up being in a position to to win that football game, and then things just kind of fell apart. But the that final drive, man, did that feel more like 
Penn State last year or Michigan State Big Ten Championship? Michigan State, yeah. right? Because the, the Penn State thing happened quickly. I don't remember what, how much yeah. time was left in the fourth when Iowa scored to go ahead in that game, and then Penn State was able to come down. Also, you had Saquon Barkley, who was just this incredible talent. Michigan State and Wisconsin, it, there wasn't one guy who took over. There yeah. wasn't. It was a methodical drive, and it's the type of drive I've heard this several times. I was bend but don't break defense. Right? They they keep things in front of them, and you might be able to get a bunch of first downs, but chances are you're going to make. You're not going to be able to put together a 10, 12 play drive without making a mistake, without getting into a third and long and not being able to convert, without fumbling or throwing an interception or taking a sack, and that's what Iowa thrives on. Teams aren't able to put together, especially college teams with young guys playing, aren't able to put together those kinds of drives very often. And this was two two instances where the other team was able to do that. That that final drive, the the game winning drive for Wisconsin was ten plays, eighty eight yards, five minutes. That was the the longest drive they had, other than their eleven play ninety five yard drive. You know what happened in between those two touchdown drives offensively for for Wisconsin? Punt, punt, punt. That third punt is after a punt, a fumble a a fumbled punt return by Iowa. So the offense goes right back out there, has to punt again. Another punt. Then that three play ten yard drive because of the the next fumble on a punt return, and then punt, punt. So Iowa's defense, between these two long, long drives, allowed nothing. Right. And in that first drive, it looked like Wisconsin's offensive line was going to dominate this game. It absolutely did. They weren't doing anything crazy. They were running up the middle, right at Iowa's power, and they were winning. And they won that drive. And then Iowa stiffened up and didn't Hmm. allow it to happen again until Wisconsin was in desperation mode, and they threw the ball, and and they made the plays. And again, I said it the other night. I'll say it again. (laughs) The bottom line is, when a play needed to be made, Wisconsin made it. Oh. And that's why they came out on top. They, absolutely right, Andrew. It, it, that was You've hit it on the head there, man. You're helping me out here, dude, because I didn't get a chance to go through yeah, that emotional see, cycle right. that you that you witnessed and experienced exactly. that. Exactly. I'm sorry that I have to drag you back through it. <laughs> no, it's all good. But that's I'm, all right. I moved on, baby. Yeah, the Jethro, the Jethro smell that's uh, in, in, <laughs> yes. enveloped the studio makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? It's Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. We would love to hear from you. We've got a lot of action to keep you up to date on as the day moves along here. Andrew and I are kind of flopping around right now because – there's a couple of Big Ten games that are intriguing. Purdue up 27 on Nebraska, up 20 to seven, I should say, 20 to seven yeah, over Nebraska. Yeah, because talking about Nebraska. There's no score that's too big. <laughs> that's good point. <laughs> the other one that's interesting that we're flipping back and forth on end of the first quarter, Northwestern up 10 nothing at home over Michigan. So that's and, a and just made a big stop, got the ball back. They got first and ten on the Michigan 40, up 10. To start the second quarter, man, I Northwestern. First of all, I'd like to see them pull that off because right now, one and they've already got their two losses. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about Northwestern in that Big Ten West. We'll talk about Big Ten West, what those standings look like. Wisconsin, obviously, in that driver's seat right now. But Iowa's opponent next week, also one of those three and one teams. It's the Hawkeyes, Wisconsin, and Minnesota that are three and one overall in the. Uh, and not that that matters, but just kind of looking at that. We'll keep an eye on Northwestern with their game, Indiana with a win already, Michigan State with a win over Central Michigan, and then the big one tonight, 6.30, Ohio State and Penn State, two top 10 teams in the Big Ten, going to go at it on ABC. When we get back, Gary Dolphin will join us. We'll have Chuck Long here in about a half hour, Mark Emmert around an hour from now as we uh, 
Chat Hawks, we'd love to hear from you. 284-1040. It's Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off on News Radio 1040 WHO. Fox News Radio, I'm Debbie Handley. The FBI has contacted Deborah Ramirez. She is the former Yale student who claims Supreme Court nominee Brent Kavanaugh exposed himself. Republican Senator Bill Cassidy blasted Democrats today. This is part of a broader Democratic strategy uh, to coordinate in that coordination to seek to delay. How many more charges can be brought out to smear this man to create legitimate doubts in the minds of some, the American public. Cassidy was on Fox and Friends. Two Mississippi police officers were killed today. We received a call this morning about 4.47 a.m., a shots fired call. We answered those calls many times. Nothing ever happens. But this morning, something happened. We lost two of our brave officers. Brookhaven Police Chief Kenneth Collins, suspects in custody. Fox News, we report, you decide. Your turn, Hawkeye fans. This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Sponsored by the Iowa Lottery, Cookies Food Products, and American Trust. Fox do some stunning and twisting, and Nolan's almost decapitated when he let the football go. Now they haven't, they have not signaled. Epinesa knocked the ball out of his hands. Epinesa. But they have not, yeah, they've not signaled incomplete pass. Is a fumble recovered by the defense. And that'll do it. All the things that have exceeded expectations for this Iowa Hawkeye football team, the one that had the highest expectations is A.J. Epinesa. You know, we knew this offensive line could be good. We knew the defensive front, the defensive four were, were going to be good. But right. I, on an individual basis, is there a guy that we had high expectations for that has exceeded those expectations? Because I, I'd say the linebackers exceeded expectations. Nick Neiman hurt for a couple weeks. Yep. We'll get, uh, hopefully Gary can kind of get us up to date. Or maybe Mark Emmert around 530 can get us up to date on what the prognosis is for Nick Neiman. But the linebackers have played well. They have. Uh, and that was such a big question mark. Yeah, Colbert has been really good. Very good. Neiman has been fantastic. I would say that the cornerbacks have been really good. For Ojibuti, the most part. Ojemuni has been beat He's, a couple of times. Has. But those guys are out there on an island. And, and also, I, we're used to like Thorpe Award winning, you know, right. NFL difference making D-backs. We, we need to adjust our expectations a little bit maybe at the corner position. As Iowa fans. That's very fair. You're Andrew. not going to get right. a Thorpe Award winner every year. Maybe every other right. year. Not every year. Well, a guy that maybe can, uh, can, can give us a, a little bit of an insight on what type of guy A.J. Epinesa is. Gary Dolphin has spent a little bit of time with him and his dad. Gary, thanks for giving us time here on a bye week. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, Ross, uh, guys, good, uh, good afternoon. Good to be with you. It's uh, more looking like November gray football yeah. outside. But, yeah, it, it's uh, not a, not an official Saturday on a day like today if we don't hear Gary on <laughs> WHO, right? So it's uh, Well, I don't know about that, but it's good to be with you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. What do you got planned this week? Are you doing something fun? I know normally you, uh, you, you kind of go out and do something hopefully non-football related, right? Yeah, I mean, just kind of hanging out, kind of bunkering in is... Yeah. Uh, as I like to call it, uh, you know, take the phone off the hook. Other than other than this one time, <laughs> I tried and, to uh, <laughs> tried to out you a few weeks ago as uh, you know being a little bit of a Civil War and, and Iowa history buff. Are you, you you doing anything lately with that? Well, not lately. Okay. Um, uh, my my traveling uh, buddy who goes with me on our Civil War battlefield trips, which is our, our real getaway passion, other than uh, 
hockey, football, and basketball is uh, visiting uh, his uh, grandkids in Colorado. So he just happened to be this week. So I don't. I'm not going to go out and uh, stump battlefields on my own. <laughs> Although I, I could do it if I you know, maybe had a 12 pack with me or something. Yeah, right. That's another story. <laughs> you know, yesterday I drove over to Waverly up uh, north of Waterloo there. And, uh, Doug Benscoter, who played at Iowa uh, a few years ago, and, and uh, a lot of great wrestlers from that neck of the woods, uh, showed up in uh, Waverly, and we had about 150 people, most of them who played golf, even though it was a little chilly. And we they raised about a hundred and a little over a hundred thousand dollars for Children's Hospital. Wow! Uh, wow! An outing called Cause for the Kids, and it was just a, a wonderful event to attend. And, so that's kind of got the, you know got my weekend off to a great start today. Yeah. Frankly, I've been watching a lot of football and baseball. Oh, good for you, man! I've been out of touch with the baseball thing. We're gonna have to get up to date with that uh, from Andrew and Sean as we go. We should talk some Hawkeye football with you though, Gary, because we only got a few sure. more minutes with you here. But uh, uh, it, we, AJ Epinesa, we just kind of played the clip. One of the the fumbles that he has forced. I say one of the kids had multiple plays this year, and. Where do you think his the the ceiling is for AJ Epinesa? You've seen some really good defensive linemen here in the last couple of decades under Kirk Ferentz. Where's AJ Epinesa fit in? Well, he's young yet, uh, Ross, but he could be right near the top when he when he leaves Iowa, and hopefully he has a healthy four years with which to do so. But he uh, he might be the uh, quickest uh, six foot five guy uh, that that plays that position that I can remember now. Um, Aaron Campman was awfully good. That's a good one. Uh, as you know, uh, Jared DeVries could play inside or out. So as I think back to when Kirk first got here, those two guys kind of were conduits for uh, the end of the Hayden Fryer and the start of the uh, Kirk Ferentz era. Um, you know, I liken him to uh, he, he's a bigger, a taller version of Matt Roth, uh, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Roth was so quick off the ball and, of course, became a, a, a big-time All-American before he left for Norm Parker. Now he, he they ultimately moved him inside, where he was more Mitch Kinglight, all, although he was bigger than Mitch. But I'd have to say AJ uh, might be a cross section of, of a Mitch King and a Matt Roth, and uh, maybe a little bit of Aaron Campman's tenacity. And, and, and I could go on about all the great linemen that I always had, but those are the the couple that come to mind. And you know he's so raw yet uh, they're moving him around, which I like that. Uh, he's so quick off the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's kind of like Anthony Nelson. Uh, when, when he takes that route to the quarterback, he's looking to do one thing, obviously sack the guy. But if he's cocking to throw, he, he knows how to knock that ball out of his grasp before he can get that motion going forward. And So he's, he's way beyond his years. And I think a lot of that has to do, well, he said that. A lot of it has to do with his dad, who really taught him the game. And uh, Epi Epinesa played for Hayden and was a really good football player back in the, in the early 90s. So I think the fact that he's, he's getting good teaching now at Iowa, he's getting good strength and conditioning from Doyle and, and his dad, uh, that, that, that's a combination as to why he's a little bit ahead of his time, or a little bit ahead of the curve, I guess, uh, at this juncture. He's only going to get better. Gary Dolphin joining us here on Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off News Radio 1040 WHO. Taking a step back and looking at the entire defense, Gary, uh, th- this has been an elite defense through four games. Uh, seven points to Northern Illinois, three to Iowa State, 14 to UNI in garbage time. The 28 against Wisconsin, it's, it's hard to put 14 of those points on the defense with the, the, uh, 10, 10 yard drive and then the, the final, uh, kind of garbage time touchdown. How good is this defense through four games compared to some of the other great defenses we've seen in the Ferentz era? Uh, well, I think you're spot on in terms of last week. You can't give a, a good team. And I will, I will tell you, Wisconsin's much more a top-ten team than they are a top-20. When you see them in person, uh, I think they got jobbed a little bit on 
13 spots knocked off uh, the, the loss from uh, BYU where they dropped 18th or 19th. I think they're a legitimate top 10 team because of that defense. And Alex Hornibrook makes plays. And you can't give them a 10-yard field and expect them not to not to score a touchdown. And what really hurt the defense last week was Iowa driving to the five and turning it over on downs and then driving it to the one and uh, running that toss sweep where they got knocked down for a five-yard loss and had to settle for three. You're only going to get so many opportunities against a quality defense like Wisconsin's 3-4, and you got to take advantage of them, help your defense out. But it didn't happen, you know, and I'm not hanging at all on the offense. Uh, the defense has some work to do, uh, particularly that last drive where they couldn't get the ball away from Wisconsin. Uh, you know, we remember last year, or at least I did, it was similar to that Penn State game where uh, now they had McSorley and pretty good running back, as yeah. I remember. Yeah, right. they, they, they drove down the field and, and, and got the job done on the last play of the game. And it was very similar with uh, Horning Brook and Jonathan Taylor. You know, they've got uh, two terrific weapons there, not unlike uh, 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 Barkley and, and uh, uh, um, McSorley last year. Uh, so that was disappointing. I think it was, what was it, 75 or 80-yard drive, 13, 14 plays. you got to find a way to get off the field. Uh, but I think on balance, when, like, to your point, Andrew, when you talk about through four games, uh, obviously the front four, front five has really performed well. That, that's been the bell cow uh, for the uh, for the defense. The linebackers, uh, as expected, up and down. They've, they've had their moments. I feel like uh, they've exceeded the expectations, though, Gary. We were talking about that in the first segment. That I, I, I feel like the the linebackers have played better than what I was expecting for a group of brand-new guys. Who had Three, big shoes to yeah, fill. Yeah, big shoes to fill four games in. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that, uh, uh, although these are guys that have been in the system for two or three years. and uh, the, With the front four playing as well as they are, I think that's helped the linebackers. Imani Jones certainly has been overexcited, and, and that's why he's got moved out of the lineup. He's got to be a stabilizing force in the middle. I think that's set him back a little bit. Hockaday's played well. Nick Neiman, hopefully that injury isn't a prolonged thing because they really need him. Can we just pause then, there? Can you can you kind of get us up to date? What did uh, Kirk just kind of said? A couple of weeks. Do you, do you have any? Yeah, I mean it's a knee, so it, it's okay. hard to determine. Uh, I mean, well, obviously they're only letting so much information out there. We'll know more this week, but uh, okay. I, and I don't remember the play he got hurt on. I, I don't remember. Kirk said it was off. it was that garbage time touchdown that Andrew yeah. mentioned. That very the final oh, play okay. that uh, where okay. Wisconsin punched it in. Yeah, and that, that, boy, that that's a double whammy. That, yeah, right. that touchdown meant nothing really. Uh, but Nick, uh, you know, he, he's a he's a tough kid. He's a big kid, and he can really run. And I, I think I, I just assume part of it was fatigue because he was chasing those wide receivers all over the field against Wisconsin. But let's hope. I, I you know, Kirk made it sound like certainly the bye week, certainly next week, and hopefully then back after. Uh, the Minnesota game for the trip to Indiana. So I would look for two weeks, uh, you know, total for Nick to be out. Uh, and, and, and the good news is they've got so many new guys, at least new guys that have played the position, that they can still move them around. Christian Welch can play either side. Yeah. And, you know, really, to me, the X factor, if, if Nick's out any extended period of time, is this young uh, redshirt freshman, Jimon Colbert. He's really uh, played when, well. He can run. Yeah. And he's tough. And, and you guys know. I mean, Iowa always cultivates that next uh, – generation of linebackers uh, they've recruited well uh the, the, you know the secondary has i think the safeties uh, have helped the linebackers out significantly with you know you're seeing jake gervas nosing around that line of scrimmage a lot that's a good point Monty hooker could cover up for him that's why 
And then the cornerbacks got to get better. Uh, they, they, they struggled last week, and they're going to face more good passing attacks going forward. Maybe not uh, not the uh, passing attacks to get the time that Wisconsin does because of that massive all-world offensive line they put out there. Uh, I think that you know that that was the key last week, and, and wasn't frankly talked about as much as I thought it should have been. Is uh, Wisconsin's offensive line where they're really better this year is in pass blocking. You know they struggled in the pass blocking area a year ago, but man, they can run over you run blocking. But they were really good pass blocking. They had a great cup around Hornybrook, uh, particularly on that last drive, and the Hawks just couldn't get to them. But I think the defense will only get better going forward, and that's kind of scary when you think about it. What do we expect from Minnesota next week? Well, I understand. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a great story. He's a walk on. Uh, a walk-on uh, uh, quarterback uh, uh, who you know has got a, a different delivery, uh, but but he's a tough kid. He's a big kid, and uh, but I think the Hawks can get after him. Minnesota's offensive line has been a little bit suspect, and the Gophers have really been hurt by key injuries to uh, to top players. They lost Smith, their best tailback. Now I see they lost Winfield uh, for the year. Uh, Antoine Winfield II, who was maybe their best defensive player. And so they're they're getting nicked up early uh, beyond uh, any other Big Ten team that I can think of right now. Uh, but but the, the, the uh, I watched uh, I watched most of their game from uh, last week at Maryland, and, and certainly Maryland opened some eyes. But, yeah, you know, at home it's tough to go on the road in the Big Ten and win anywhere. But what what was disappointing to me, I mean, if you're a Minnesota fan, was the defense just didn't come to play last week. Now they've had a week off to to. Uh, to, to re to you know circle the wagons and regenerate some enthusiasm and you know PJ he, he's a fiery fiery coach uh, he, he he really lives on emotion and hopes his players will too but I I really like Iowa's chances because of the way the defense is playing and you know last week uh, the offense did a lot of good things now they didn't they didn't score enough points but when you can drive it to the one and to the five and you know you got to score I get that. But when you can drive the ball up and down the field over 400 yards like they did against a quality defense like Wisconsin's, and to me that's encouraging guys going yeah. forward. Yeah. Andrew was uh, telling me that the big reaction on sound off afterwards was to the fourth down play call, that uh, not too many people were necessarily trying to, to blame what happened on the punt. But uh, going back to that fourth down on the first drive, I felt like the team responded really well, both offensively and defensively. I know you give up that 96-yard drive, but, Gary, after that, that defense just locked down uh, a tough Wisconsin team until that final drive. Thanks so much for giving us time on uh, on a day off, Gary. We appreciate it. You so. bet, Rush. We'll Take talk to you soon. Good, good talk to you. You bet. Thanks a lot. Gary Dolphin joining us. Uh, you'll hear him next week. He'll, they'll start at 1230 pregame. He and Gary, uh, Eddie Dolphin. Or Eddie Podolak. There you go. It's Gary Dolphin. Yes. Eddie Podolak. That's right. 1230 pregame next week. 230 kickoff. Let's see, that usually means we're on the air till, what, 10 o'clock, Sean? So we usually take the air around 7.30, 8. That'd Here's what fun. we'll do. We'll, uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour. We're going to hook up with Chuck Long just past 5 o'clock. There's some stuff happening in the Big Ten right now. Purdue up 20-7 to 7 over Nebraska. Michigan just punched one in at Northwestern. That's 17-7. to 7. Lead for Northwestern just cut down to 10. Michigan State, Indiana already with wins. And then only one of the Big Ten game. That's the top 10 matchup. Ohio State at Penn State tonight at 6.30. Andrew Downs, Sean Roberts, me, Ross Peterson with sound off. Till 6 here on 1460 KXNO. Come. Your turn.
Hawkeye fans. This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Sponsored by GNL Clothing and Schottenkirk Chevrolet. Stanley up under center, rolls right, throws, caught, touchdown, touchdown Iowa, touchdown. Noah Fant, 16th touchdown. Go to your pacifier. <laughs> Noah Fant, he just makes plays. I think it, like, like safety, you know, like your your security blanket. Oh, duh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's I actually, saw the look. You know, what? You know it's funny because when I played that play on Murph and Andy on Monday, Keith and Abel said, what's that? Uh, That's guy? okay, Kind of like his, his security blanket, That's right? Like next level Gary well, Dolphin stuff right it, there. It is, exactly. All right. And Noah Fant, talk about a guy that exceeded high expectations no offense has to fit into that conversation also. Andy. Although, you know, Travis and I mentioned this. I don't even know if we talked about it on the air, but like Hawkinson is the guy between the 20s, right? And then Fant gets every touchdown, <laughs> which is cool. But like Hawkinson, uh, they both have 15 receptions. Hawkinson has 70 more yards than Fant does on the season. He's averaging 16 yards yeah. per catch, a 46-yard long, zero touchdowns to Fant's four. Incredible. It, Hawkinson it, has been the go-to guy. When they've needed something how, in the middle of the field, you're absolutely right. And you know, it's, he's, he's overlooked by so many people, I think, because Fant is just so so good, right. so well-known, so hyped, uh, and, and deserving of all of it. But even as Hawkeye fans, I think in the offseason we kind of forgot, like, this isn't a one tight end team. No doubt. It it's, looks like that which it looks and, like that old New Hawkinson, England Patriots team. Hawkinson looks like an NFL tight end. Two eight four ten forty Troy from Urbandale joins us here on Sound Off. What's up, Troy? How you doing, buddy? Great guys. Great show as usual. Welcome back to Iowa Ross. Thanks. Welcome back to the States, you mean, man. I was up in Canada. You could smell I wasn't so far though. I could still smell the freedom. Nice catch on the fish. Though. I saw it on Facebook. Oh, amazing. very Good cool. Job. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. What did you want to share with us? Well, well, first, uh, when Coach Long gets on, I'd, I'd really like to hear you ask him what, what he would like to see just out of the offense. One of my favorite players and coaches of all time, Coach Defense at Iowa, but, of course, National Championship uh, Offensive Coordinator at Oklahoma. Um, I think it seems like from the discussions earlier this year, listening to your show daily, Iowa might be a little bit ahead of schedule from what a lot of people predicted uh, with their record. Um, a lot of people looked at that Iowa State game and saw that as a stumbling block. You know, Wisconsin was one possession game, basically. Uh, so that's a good sign. Of course, we know Northwestern's never going to be a pushover this time of year. You, yeah. you can see that. Um, We're watching that what, game right now, Troy. Actually, Northwestern's up 17-7, and they're, uh, they're moving the ball again on, on Michigan. And this, this team going on the road is going to be interesting to see how they react, hopefully. Um, uh, next week's a big game, I think, just to continue the momentum of what they've been building. Yeah, that's another thing we'll kind of ask Chuck Long. You know, what to, do we as fans make too much of this first road game of the season? I will completely agree with Troy, uh, with you, Troy, that this team is ahead of what my expectations were, where I thought the roadmap was at the beginning of the year when I went game by game and predicted this team out. I did have them at ten and two. I said yeah. the two losses were going to be Wisconsin and Penn State. But I'm more impressed with this team than I thought I was going to be. Uh, we talked with Gary about the linebackers. I would put the secondary in the same category that I put the linebackers, that I had low expectations. I thought they were going to be a weakness, knew the front four was going to be tough, but wondered about the seven guys behind them. I feel like the linebackers have played well, and the secondary has, has played maybe a half a grade above that. 
but it's it, it goes back to the expectations, Andrew, and where I thought everybody was going to be. If there's one thing, uh, maybe it's just because of the injuries. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more from all three running backs. You know, Ivory Kelly Martin, Torin Young, and uh, or, or I'm sorry, Amir Smith Martin. Ivory Kelly Martin, Martin, yeah, Torin yes, Young, Torin Young Mackay and Makai Sargent. Sargent. <laughs> uh, you know, if we could just get a little more consistency out of having all three of those and really get to see what that looks like, yeah, that'd and, be nice. And special teams, you know, they, they need to, you need to play better on special teams than they are right now. But you're right, record wise, they're where I thought they would be. I'm more impressed with this team than I expected to you be leaving it, September. Nailed it with special teams. Grown Awakes. There's something special there. There is. It'll be fun. Right Chuck Long that. next. You're on Sound Off. News Radio 1040 WHO. WHO, Des Moines. And iHeart Radio Station. And on your HD radio, KDRV HD2. News Radio 1040 WHO. Right now, today's top stories from Des Moines News, Traffic, and Severe Weather Station. News Radio 1040 WHO. 